Hey gang, good morning. Uh, blessed Tuesday morning to you on this Tuesday after July 4th. Hope you all had a good July 4th weekend here in the States if you're watching and uh, whatever else, wherever else you are, I hope you had a good weekend as well. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a subject that um, we just can never get enough talking about in our culture right now. Uh, and that is politics. And so I wouldn't blame you if you logged off at this very moment in deep frustration, thinking to yourself, oh no, not Christ hold fast too. Please, for the love, give us a place where we don't have to talk about this wretched subject. Well, let me assure you before we go on, I am not going to today tell you how to vote. I am not going to tell you which pieces of legislation to support. I am not telling you uh, which candidate is God's candidate or any of that nonsense. I think that's all a party foul and something I have no business talking to you about as a preacher of the gospel. Okay? That said, the Bible does speak about our calling, and it is a calling, our vocation in this world as citizens. And so what I want to talk about today in light of the fact that we just celebrated our Independence Day here in, in the States and, uh, and you know you have the first democratic debate uh, happening a week or so ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I'm not quite sure. Um, and you, you know you have the, unfortunately, it's yes it's early, but the presidential race is already, <laughs> already heating up. The presidential race is already getting going and uh, I think well, I think one of them dropped out yesterday, but I think there's still 20 people running on the Democratic side for president of the United States. So so that's what we want to deal with today. A um, number of years ago, I think it was eight years ago or seven years ago, in one of the debates, uh, one of the candidates was asked how his faith had impacted his views on policy. And he said this, this is the quote, Quote, I don't see how a person can separate their public life from their private life or from their faith. Our faith informs us in everything we do. My faith informs me about how to take care of the vulnerable and about how to make sure that people have a chance in life. That was the end quote. To that, Adam Gopnik of The New Yorker wrote these words. That statement is genuinely disturbing and scary. That's a shocking answer, a mullah's answer, what those Iranian ayatollahs who are so scary, uh, we, the, who are so scary that he keeps referring to when talking about Iran would say as well. End quote. Well, who's right? Is Adam Gopnik of the New Yorker right that faith should have nothing to say, that uh, what we read in the scriptures should have nothing to say to our views on policy in the public square, uh, or should our faith indeed inform what we do in the public square? That's the question. And so uh, to get to the heart of that, how the Christian relates to politics, that's what I'm talking about today. How the, the Bible sort of calls us to relate in the broader sphere as, um, as people, as citizens. The answer according to uh, the scriptures, and I think summarized in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 14, which we'll read as we go through today, is that we are, to, on the one hand, consider ourselves in the world. That's number one. Number two, not of the world. And then number three, we'll get to because of he who is above 
the world. So we'll, uh, we'll flesh that out just a little bit here. So first of all, in the world, we are called to be a fellow citizen of the world. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. End quote. Notice, the Lord does not say through Jeremiah the prophet to the people of Israel, or Judah in this case, well, since you're in exile in Babylon and it's not really your home, you should just excuse yourself from community affairs. What does Babylon have to do with thou? Be ye holy, be ye separate. No, he doesn't say that. Rather, he says that his people are called to live as good citizens and neighbors that seek the welfare of the city where God has placed them and pray to the Lord on that place's behalf. And the reason why is very simple. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. And it's not just in the Old Testament that we read of people claiming their citizenship and what comes along with that. If you remember in the book of Acts, chapter 22, Paul uses his rights as a Roman citizen and claims them when he's about to be actually persecuted, and it saves him from being persecuted. It's a, he doesn't shy away from his calling as a citizen, but he uses it for the good. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, instructs us to... Um, <clears throat> to uh, he says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And then verse 2, he makes a distinction and says, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Romans 13, verses 1 through 3, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that have been instituted by God. Verse 2 of Romans 13 goes on to say they are appointed by God. Verse 4 says twice they are servants of God. And verse 6 says they are even ministers of God, talking about politicians and those in authority. Even Jesus affirms that Caesar has a role of authority over some things of men. That's found in Luke 20, if you want to look that up. And besides this, the truth is uh, government, politics, and yes, even politicians... Yes, even they can accomplish some good. I mean, consider people like William Wilberforce, who tirelessly worked to, and eventually succeeded in ridding, uh, the, ridding England of slavery. Consider uh, people like Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King, all very imperfect, sinful men that nonetheless God used mightily to accomplish good. Martin Luther King once said this, I've always thought it wise. He said, well, it may be true that morality cannot be legislated, while it may be true that morality may not be legislated, behavior can be regulated. It may be true that the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heartless. It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me. And I think that's pretty important also. End quote. 
Pluto said, or Plato said, the penalty that good men pay for doing nothing or not being interested in politics is to be governed by men worse than themselves. And so the idea being presented here, first off, Jeremiah says, seek the welfare of the place you live in. Seek to live in such a way that you work for the good of your neighbor. Voting is one possible way through, uh, though not absolutely necessary. The Bible doesn't command that you have to vote. So if you don't, don't feel like you're being disobedient or sinful. But voting is a way um, for you to uh, serve your neighbor, for you to put into, to try to put into action what it is you believe um, should be enacted. I mean, so those things... Uh, those things are good things. There's many other ways that you can be a good citizen. But the point is, we, we do work on this side of, the, um, uh, of eternity for the good of the city we live in. And so it's, that's, that's part of it. We don't avoid that. On the other hand, we, we ought to remember as we do that, that we are not of this world. We, we have to remember to see ourselves by the very language that Jeremiah uses in uh, verse 4 when he calls them exiles. Now, why do I say that? Well, because not only does Jeremiah call God's people in the Old Testament his exiles, the apostle Peter goes out of his way to refer to Christians in chapter 2, verse 11 of his first epistle as exiles and sojourners. Hebrews eleven thirteen refers to Christians again as strangers and exiles on this earth. So like the Jews of Babylon were exiles in this world, this world is not ultimately, as it stands now, what we are working for. Why? Because Ephesians 2 says, verse 17, God came and preached peace to us who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Ultimately, we have dual citizenship, but our primary citizenship is citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Now again, this is not some escapism, because remember, heaven is coming down to earth in the final analysis. God is, is going to make all things new. And so we don't want to have this sort of uh, view that like, well, this earth isn't my home, and so one day I'm just going to fly, fly, fly away, you know, my soul. You know, this place is what God is going to restore. And so we don't want to preach an escapism, but at the same time, we don't want to uh, believe that politics and our work here on earth can accomplish more than it can. The reality is we have to recognize with every politician that we might support they're never going to be Jesus. They're never going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, they're going to be very flawed people just like you and I. I I'm convinced the number one way that evangelical Christianity has failed in this country is because they have bought into a bill of goods way too often that tells them if they vote for this candidate, if they vote for this legislation, if they vote for this party, that finally the problems will be fixed. How's that working out? I mean, serious. This is, when are we going to learn that these things, that, that there's only so much that the kingdom on the left can accomplish? Utopia is not gonna be created here, folks.
It's just not going to. Whether you're on the left or the right, give it up. Give it up. And it is both on the left and the right. Um, but this is, especially around election season, every Christian I know who faithfully confesses the sovereignty of God in all things suddenly forgets about all that and just starts freaking out like Chicken Little in case their guy doesn't get elected. And it's the silliest thing to see ever. I, I always know an election season's coming because I start getting robocalls at church from various Christian leaders encouraging me to vote for certain candidates. And I just throw up a little bit of my mouth and hang up the phone. All right, so um, I think you guys get the picture. So if your guy or your, your lady doesn't win in an election, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. There's never been a moment in human history, whether it's been the worst dictator on, on earth at the time or who we might view as the best president, that Christ has not ultimately been on his throne. God is ruling. He, ha he is not absent <laughs> through this. We need to remember that. All right, so... Let's move on. Uh, why is it that we, that we can have freedom in regard to this if our, if our position loses, if our guy loses, if our party loses? Well, it's because, because, because Donald Trump isn't your savior, Bernie Sanders isn't your lord, Joe Biden did not live perfectly in your place, and Kamala Harris did not shed her blood for you. Only Jesus has, through and through. That's it. So listen again to Jeremiah, verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Now, back at that time, there were false prophets standing up all the time and telling the people that God was going to bring them home at any moment, that prosperity was just a day away, folks. They were, they were ear ticklers. Now, I am not saying that our politicians are diviners and dreamers, but they do end up making a whole lot of promises to you that they can't possibly keep. They may even do it in God's name like the prophets did before. And God says, ultimately, don't place your hope in people that make such promises like that. Rather, listen to this, verse 10. Thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Christian, the reason that you can wake up just as hopeful and optimistic the day after your candidate, your party, your view loses is because it's God in his plan that ultimately matters and on which we build our lives and place our hopes. A plan that, by the way, sends a king down to us to live in rags so that we might have riches. A king that lays down his life for his subjects so that his subjects might become kings. A king that has established his throne and is coming again real soon, bringing us into a kingdom that has no end and no blemishes and no sin-infected leaders Hallelujah. Amen. It's coming. And of that day, 
Jeremiah says in verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And so one day we will not be exiles and sojourners anymore, but we will be not just citizens of the kingdom of God, but sons and daughters of the king of the kingdom of God. And that is where our hope lies in the midst of a fallen and broken world. And that is how we should be informed about our view of politics, what it can and what it can't do in this life. Hope that's been helpful. Hope that's been clarifying. Uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. I will not be here for the next two weeks. I've got speaking engagements uh, next week and the following week, so I won't see you for a while. Uh, but until, I guess it'll be the last week of July. Hope you do well. God bless you guys. See ya.